comic books, video games, television, and movies. In a world where the media has been dominated by superheroes and sci-fi, these barely Irish ass must band together to make sense of it all. It's not news. It's utterly nonsense. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a long time coming. Episode 100. <laughs> Get your drinks ready, kids, because, oh my god. Uh. It's been about six months since we talked about, uh, you know, the new DC slate under James Gunn. And uh, it's been a bit of a mess, guys. <laughs> yeah, I have one question for all of you tonight. Yeah. And that question is... What the f*** happened to the Flash? Uh, yeah... Many, many questions. <laughs> I I mean, I think that well encapsulates the last 10 years of DC media, um, specifically. <laughs> like, So, to be clear, we're talking about both the box office bomb that was uh, 2023's The Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti, uh, starring Ezra Miller, and the TV series that was on the CW for the last nine years that uh, ten just years. gradually... No, wait, ten. You're right. Yeah, Never it started mind. in 2014, Sorry. so nine years. Jesus. That's gradually descended into being completely unwatchable. So, or was it always one watchable? It, I mean, it was watchable for the first couple seasons. I'll give it that much. Damn, <laughs> guys! I, I I just have one question before we start here. Go ahead. What the f- happened to the Flash? <laughs> what the f- happened to Jay Garrick? What the f- happened to Zoom? Who? Where the? Oh yeah. <laughs> we know what happened to, f- to Zoom, buddy. Well, yeah, yeah. You mean he reappeared in the Flash <laughs> movie, but also not really. <laughs> No, because we were wrong in the fucking cameo bullshit. But, you know, I just saw a video. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of these, um, I'm starting to think these comic book themed or related videos are just AI generated because they have like a text to speech sounding thing. And it's just like the same stock transition animations. Well, anyway, I saw a video recently about the Flash movie and it had just come out like two weeks ago, which was after we made our video, which that article we, re- we read about Teddy Sears had already come out. And in that video, he asserts that that was the guy who made the cameo in the movie. I'm like, buddy, do five minutes of research. I mean, I went that entire movie telling you guys that, that was him. And then during the after, uh, you know, the low the low res review, when I looked up that article and I was like, oh, wait, no, he's like, it just looks like me. The thing is, it's, it's like shocking how closely it looked to Teddy Sears. And, and despite being like a completely, uh, you know, CG creation, it, it's like you have to imagine whoever was the visual artist who was sort of like responsible for that had at least some inspiration there. But like, if, yeah. if you did that, if it looks like Teddy Sears, but it's not Teddy Sears and it's supposed to just be a stand in for the Flash, who the f were you trying to make it then? Like, you have all these characters that could have been in that shot. But you chose an AI-generated look-alike? Well, yeah, AI sweeping the nation, Mike. You didn't hear already? Come on, bro. Get with the time. Yeah, I mean, 
So the thing is, Christ. <laughs> and that, that was a big problem I had with the Flash, despite actually, you know, enjoying the movie. Just so many of the cameos felt underwhelming in the grand scheme of things, right? Like I was nauseated with the way they looked. Oh my well, god! I'm not even complaining about the CG here. I'm not even complaining about. I, I, I'm just saying there could have been a lot more. There's been multiple actors who have played the Flash, Grant Gustin and uh, what's his name, um, uh, John Wesley Shipp. Both could have made an appearance yeah. here, and they basically just decided not to include them for whatever reason. I'm sure neither of them <laughs> would have cost too much to throw in there. It's just like, no, let's get dead Superman and Superwomen in this. Yeah, that was that was unnecessary. Yeah, it's a weird choice. I felt uncomfortable for everybody. I was like, what the hell is <laughs> happening? This is so weird. It was what we call a certified Warner Brothers moment. It was. <laughs> it, I mean, that's the perfect way to describe it. Just, I was like, I smell a lawsuit, but I don't know how. They they cut out the Superman you wanted to see, and they gave yeah, you a they bunch gave of Superman that were dead. Nick Cage was worth it, though. That was hilarious to me. I will say that much. But the rest was like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, I did. No, I mean, the Nick Cage cameo was genuinely my favorite cameo from the entire movie. Um, but, it, you know, that was, well, aside from uh, Michael Keaton, but... That was pretty. I, sick. I, I wouldn't really yeah. consider that a cameo since he was like. Is that main, a cameo yeah. if he's playing a main character? I, I don't think it counts as a cameo if he's like actually a main character in the movie. But um, reprisal, I guess, is the right word for that. George Clooney was more of a cameo than Michael Keaton. Let's be real yeah. there in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, there were a few that could be considered. Yeah. So, look, I have a few notes here I wanted to go off on since we're sort of focusing on the movie here. I literally have four pages I wrote about what to expect from The Flash when we first started talking about doing a What the Fuck Happened to The Flash episode two years ago. And Oh, and I just found Ezra's Miller's criminal record, so we're going to have fun <laughs> yes. tonight, folks. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I do want to talk about Ezra's record, too, because I think that's part of the reason why the movie bombed. Yeah, uh, I have that loaded up on my phone, so I'm excited for that part the most right now. I'll digress for right now and shut up. I just want to say, um, first of all, my actual document here was called Notes About the Flash 2022. Jesus why Christ. Why was it called Flashpoint previously? Why the name change? First of all... It was The Flash 2022. It was originally supposed to come out a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been delayed. Originally? Or do you mean like No, it, previously? Uh, when I wrote these notes, it was supposed to come out in 2022. But it's obviously been pushed back, you know, what, like five or six times? I, I, like, I have a full breakdown in here, but... Uh, there was multiple. They were just like, well, it just got uh, backed up again because the reasons production, uh, Ezra Miller's, again, criminal record. You, you uh, mean the plan... <laughs> Where they were like, yeah, here's our, here's the year of DC. We have four movies coming out for you. And then they're like, here's two of them. Oh, yeah. And we still have no idea what we're doing, by the way. So at least when I wrote these notes, uh, there was a rumor that Supergirl was going to be Lara Lane Kent, or Lara Lane Kent, who would be the daughter of Lois and Clark versus, like, actually, um, Kara Zarel, as we see in the movie. At the time, we knew it wasn't explicitly confirmed, but they were sort of, like, leading people on to believe that. Uh, even the outfit sort of monitors that comic accurate, uh, suit for that version of the character. Uh, Michael Keaton, we knew was going to be Bruce Wayne and Batman. Two years ago when I wrote these notes, mm -hmm. uh, we were sort of thinking he might be a future version of Batfleck, but it turned out to be an old version. I thought they were going to go with the uh, Thomas Wayne version of Batman in that one. So that was just like, oh, okay, but never mind. And I, I think that's why they sort of changed the name from Flashpoint, just to sort of make you think yeah, that it wasn't going to be exactly that's what I was a, expecting right off the bat. I mean, there were some, definitely some similarities from the comic Flashpoint, but I, I mean, the actual yeah. movie is very, very different, very detached from like 
you know, that version of events. It's a different universe, different Earth. Yeah. See, I understand. Parallel Earth. I understand what DC did when they brought in, F, when they brought in Keaton. They were like, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home is doing this. So, like, why don't we also mm. play off nostalgia in that? But I feel like it would have been a little bit more emotional if it had been Thomas Wayne. And if it had been, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, God, I can't remember his yeah. name. I can't remember his, he. You know, the oh. one that played Thomas Wayne in... Yeah, uh, in uh, BVS. Um, yeah, and he was also... Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, Jeffrey... If it was Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I feel like yes. he could have commanded a presence on the screen that Keaton only got from nostalgia. If they had wanted to go for the Thomas Wayne route. I, I will say, and I think I said this in the lower review too, I think, you know, some of the best action scenes Keaton has as Batman, like, you know, even including the, uh, um, you know, Burton films from the 90s, yeah. or 89 and 90. Um, there was nothing wrong with Keaton's performance in this. It just didn't necessarily fit. It was definitely a nostalgia bait. Let's see. What else did we talk about here? Um, it was also rumored that Grant Gustin was going to appear as Barry Allen in The Flash, which, spoiler alert, that did not happen. Would have loved that, but no. Let's not have a good movie. Because DC hates us. And again, when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths back in 2020, like, there was this whole cameo where Ezra Miller appears as, you know, his version of The Flash. That was still so weird. Well, again, that sort of makes you think, oh, the multiverse definitely exists in DC. They're trying to tie the TV and movie universes together. So it would have been nice if Grant Gustin had appeared, but they decided not to do that. And this was like right after the original Justice League uh, by Joss Whedon came out, right? It's like halfway between. It was around between... that time, like a, it... a year or so after. So Crisis came out 2019, 2020. Okay, yeah. So it was like right. two or three years after Justice League, uh, you know, the Justice League theatrical, yeah. God, whatever you want to okay, call it. Okay, that's what I thought. And that was about three years ago. So it, it was like All halfway right. between. Again, they tried, but holy shit. Yeah, the fact that they didn't include Grant Gustin in this thing, um, you know, despite his... Uh, complete miss, if you ask it, me personally. Yeah, I mean... Well, look, obviously the Flash TV series, which we're going to talk about in a bit, had its own bunch of problems. But Grant Gustin was pretty beloved in the role. Like, I, I think we can say that. Despite how bad the series around him was, he was always, like, considered a pretty good version of Flash. So, speaking on this part with Grant Gustin and also, like, how we talked about the cameos being kind of underwhelming, I don't know who half the cameos were, especially especially since we had that the Flash that's not actually a Flash or a human being. We could have had... <laughs> that first cameo could have been the Arrowverse. It could have been anything. Yeah, exactly. Literally anything. Hell, I'm watching The Witcher Season 3 right now, and Robbie Amell is oh, on screen God. with Henry Cavell, and I'm like, Superman and Firestorm are on screen together. Just put Stephen Amell in here, and I got more cameos here than I did in the fucking Flash. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a clear mess. How is that, by the way? Is it any good, or is it we'll, just, We'll talk like, about that man. later. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, when does it take place? And, uh, again, I'm just reading off my notes from two years ago here. Uh, we know it takes place post-Justice League. Check. Given the Batman connection and original plans to include Cyborg, obviously did not include Cyborg, but <laughs> Ben Affleck did end up making his appearance. And, and that was another thing. Like, they kept saying Ben Affleck may or may not actually appear on this thing, but they did sort of include him in the marketing. He was on it, screened for maybe 15 minutes, worked pretty well in the brief moments we do see. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I think Affleck really delivered the best Batman he could have for this. Like, and you see Affleck later, like, talking to Barry. He doesn't look like the chiseled Batman that's on that bridge. No, he, he it does just, look yeah. It just looks, I don't know, I, I, it really set, <laughs> set in stone for me that I'm going to miss Affleck in the role. It's like Justice League where there's clear reshoots that, 
you know, he, he was definitely in different shape. At oh, no, I don't mean that. I just mean I like the difference in appearance so that it's not clearly Ben Affleck under there. I like right. that it looks like a different person. <laughs> and I just think Affleck, I think that that was a nice way to go out for him, but also... Turning into Clooney, you mean? No, I meant, like, just his performance. <laughs> Turning to Keaton, then Clooney. His scenes were a good way to go out. I, I thought they were very fitting for him overall, and I genuinely enjoyed, like, what I was able to see, because I was just, like, going into it, I was like, oh, I didn't even expect him to be in the movie at all, What do you frankly. mean? He was in the trailer! I didn't pay attention, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I did also want to talk about how the Snyderverse fits into this whole thing. I didn't make detailed notes about, like, um, a- actual references in movie, but... Um, it fits in in a strange, odd wax figure-like CG sequence in the Speed Force. Yeah, they did look like wax figures, dear Jesus. <laughs> now, it, does it fit in because Ben Affleck, Ezra Miller, and Gal Gadot are in it, or does it fit in because it actually made sense in the current DC universe? Gal Gadot, you mean, like, for the fraction of a second, Henry Cavell was in it? <laughs> Henry Cavell was not in it. For, like, a fraction of a second, yeah, he is when he's running back in time and, like, CGI. Like, I thought they didn't show a face. No, I, I clearly saw his face when uh, Barry was going back in time. So, if we're talking about how it connects to the Snyderverse, well, it connects all the way back to the beginning with Man of Steel because you have the whole Zod invasion again. So, it's, like, in, in a strange way coming full circle, sort of, in that right. it's the end of what that started, which, as we know, didn't go that many places. Well, again, when I'm talking about Snyderverse specifically, I'm talking about uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League and, you know, the Snyder Cut. How it does ah. the events of that, that, however different they are from the uh, theatrical cut, actually factor in slightly? Because, again, they do sort of allude to the fact that Barry had time traveled prior to the events of The Flash, which mm-hmm. we do see in Snyder Cut, but not in Justice League. So that makes me think, oh, they clearly wanted to reference that and make you think that this is canon to that movie. Well, in Justice League, they include the one scene where he has to, like, activate the the mother box as it's touching the water yeah. in the Genesis chamber. Yeah, but he's not bending time or anything during that. Well, he's- he does, though, for, like, a very brief moment. You see the cube, it actually touches the water before he gets there, but then it goes back out of the water. So he does reverse time, like, a small amount. So you could reason, if it's not connected to the Snyder Cut and just that... Maybe that's what it was, but he he didn't even see that happen. So really, it has a very small connection to the Snyder Cut. Or else, why would he even have mentioned to Bruce, yeah, I've done it before, unless it was just off screen. So I did also make a note that uh, if they had gone with the version of Supergirl that's the child of Superman and Lois, it would be a further implication that the film takes place in the Snyderverse since they imply that... er, I shouldn't say they imply. They basically say that uh, Lois is pregnant during the events of the Snyder Cup, but again, not in Justice League. Uh, Uh, Obviously, they didn't go that route, so um, sort of irrelevant in looking into this thing. Um, How does the multiverse factor in? Uh, Let's see. Worth noting that the film was initially called Flashpoint, very clearly referencing and pulling from that storyline. It's not clear how or even if Flash will introduce or build upon the DCEU version of the multiverse. Uh, well (laughs) introduced it It, at this point it's more logical that because james gunn said the flashpoint will or the flash movie will establish how we get to the new dcu timeline so (laughs) us being nerds knowing the flashpoint storyline we're like oh that established new 52 so it took the old continuity and made it into the new one but this movie doesn't do that 
What it does instead is it introduces multiverse. So I think right. instead of the DCEU becoming the DCU with them retaining Ezra Miller, which I don't think they're going to now. They it's better going not. to be instead that the DCU is another universe. It's another continuity separate from the DCEU. Well, isn't that what's implied, though, like throughout all these time travel lately? It's not that you're in the same timeline. The timeline technically is another Earth. Like you've created another universe in a different timeline. Yeah, I guess so. Effectively, if the Flash is supposed to be like a general jumping off point for the future of the DC universe or DC extended universe or whatever you want to call this amalgamation of the two, given the uncertainty surrounding where this movie lies in James Gunn's Quantum plans. Quantum uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, you could say that like every inconsistency, every change is just Barry fucking something up. Like that's basically <laughs> well, the only yeah. sort of... <laughs> That, that's really the only sort of implication this movie had for it since, um, you know, they don't really show any major changes between him, um, you know, changing the timeline and coming back, you know, aside from a slight recasting of Batman and getting his father off and everything. If we're talking the Flash and the multiverse and we're talking about Flashpoint. So at this point, there's been the Flash movie, the TV show, the animated movie, which is an adaption of the comics and mm -hmm. the comics. I'm not sure how many other times it's been adapted. But I think it's clear that across the multiverse, Flash keeps fucking up. Hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, more um, or less. I mean, in every one of these, like, the TV show, it kind of ended like Barry's back in the universe, Cisco's brother's dead because of Barry, you know, yep. Frost, like, all these people kind of are retaining their powers from the Flashpoint timeline, but... And, like, we don't even know if Savitar actually existed before Flashpoint or if Barry created... He got retconned. Let's just ignore you, him. When you say Savitar, do you mean the um, Savitar of the Flash TV series? Or yeah, I'm the, talking about the TV okay, show right now. Gotcha. Like, we don't know if that actually existed before Barry created Flashpoint or if, Flash, if Savitar is a result of the timeline of Flashpoint. But right. since we're talking about, like, you know, setting off the new DC Universe from this movie... And the original Flashpoint, Barry just kind of, it kind of ends with Barry just handing the the letter from Thomas Wayne to Batman, and then the next time we see these characters, it's a whole new universe. What mm. happened to that Barry and that Batman? Yeah, I uh, hold up. Well, so I mean that is explored in the button by yeah um, the button, but like, yeah. what point does that actually happen in the New Fifty Two, or is that like are they all like is it all erased suddenly? Yeah, so at least in the events of the button, they basically explain that, oh, this timeline is supposed to be erased by Barry essentially going back and trying to change the events of Flashpoint so that he never saved his mother. Um, which, again, this does follow, um, the actual movie does follow that pretty closely. That's like the one thread from Flashpoint that the movie does, you know, very clearly reference. And uh, that's actually the one thing I have in my notes that, uh, you know, from two years ago that managed to uh, come true here. Um that, you know, him saving his mother is the catalyst that leads to the events of Flashpoint that leads to all these changes. So in the comics, what happens is this timeline, despite supposed to not be existing anymore, continues to exist, at least until it doesn't, which is not fulfilling as an answer. But it basically means that, oh, the writers can keep these timelines open or do whatever they want with it. And it, it, at least for us, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that possibility that we could revisit these characters is still there. Okay, so hmm. just quick diverging off the TV shows to the comics book. Flash, well, the new, like, the button. Don't they get back to the pre-52 universe through Rebirth? Like, after Wally comes back, doesn't they, like, kind of, like, bring back all the memories of the old universe? 
it brings back the memories from like their entire comic history. It's like they reason something about all the timelines have existed. I actually came up with a new theory for how like repetitive time travel works with like, I'll just try to explain it like quickly because it's maybe hard to visualize. But if time is to be depicted as a line, a line that goes from left to right, time travel would be that line looping, let's just say up. It loops up and then around and then wherever the, like, the person traveled back to, the line will then, you know, loop back and intersect at that point and then curve back down and go back to a horizontal line. So it's like a curve that makes the shape of a lowercase e, I Are guess. Are you saying that time is wibbly-wobbly? It is wibbly-wobbly, but what I'm saying is that even though you time travel and the history is altered, the old history that happened before the time travel still exists. It's not destroyed. It's just that it's now further removed from whatever the current timeline with the current history is. Yeah, so that, that's sort of like the end game explanation for it, right? Like, Well, my only question about this was another Superman came into the New 52, right? Because the New 52 Superman died and the other Superman that was already married and had his son came back, right? Yeah. Like in the middle right. of it? Yeah. Was he from the original universe or was he from Earth 2 or... He was supposed to be the pre-52 Superman. Okay, so they didn't get their memories back when he came, but when Wally shows up, these motherfuckers are like, oh, hey, he's not black. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I don't think any amount of explaining we're going to do is going to, like, in-universe rationalize. But no, that's writers. how I want to rationalize yeah. where we're going so, now with James Gunn, because if we're going to reboot everything... Does that mean Ezra Miller and all them are just going to get white, like the end of that? No. Well, so I genuinely think, just thinking about it now, that they're just going to say it's a alternate universe, different continuity. I don't think they're going to say that it in any way connects to the previous one because well, just thinking, thinking of it business-wise, it doesn't make any sense. I thought James Gunn said Shazam can still exist in the new universe. Yeah, well, he said a lot of things. And did you know that Shazam 2 was supposed to take place after The Flash and that would have been the reason why their costumes changed, but... I guess not. I mean, isn't that where Aquaman's taking place in the new universe as well? Aquaman was supposed to be before the Flash because originally it was it had um Ben Affleck have some scenes in it. But then they refilmed those scenes with Michael Keaton when it was going to come out after Flash, but then now Ben Affleck is back in it. I I actually don't know anymore. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to know with Aquaman until we actually see it. Um, yeah, which I yeah, don't I mean, will say... Is that going to come out this year? Or are they going to delay that? Probably. So, I mean, The Flash sort of gives it a pass because of just the way they tell the story. But um, if you read Doomsday Clock, the way they explain, you know, basically any inconsistency in the greater DC universe is that all of these timelines sort of coexist and exist as we see fit because you've got this grand creator who's actively changing things and like making the slightest changes causes these ripple effects and these ripple effects, you know, don't erase the previous histories, but cause it to coexist in the same universe, which. Okay. Mm, well, I get it. You're talking yeah. about Warner brothers, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm talking about Dr. Manhattan, but yeah, Warner brothers in this case is the Dr. Manhattan of the DC universe film version. <laughs> Wow, we are really bringing it back to our beginning. It's it's a fucking mess, guys. Let's not think too hard about it. <laughs> well, well. So basically, we don't even know where the, the Aquaman's currently taking place because no, right? Although he, although James Gunn said he'd like to have Jason Momoa continue his role, at the end of the Flash, 
Barry's trying to explain to, you know, Aquaman what's been going on and all that. But we don't know if he's in the same universe or if he's in a post-Flashpoint universe with George Clooney or somebody else being Batman. We don't we don't know really where he ended up. All we know is it takes place after the events of The Flash. Or all we know is that post-credit scene takes place after the events of the rest of the movie, right? So, yeah, I mean, it takes place after Barry altered time and everything, which means... You, you know, I guess it sort of implies that the Aquaman sequel takes place in whatever post-universe he's created, but the post-universe he's created is practically identical to the existing universe. So, you know, make of that what you will. But it's that like, creates problems for Blue Beetle, too, because now Blue Beetle is coming out before Aquaman. So the thing is, Blue Beetle, it, you know, James Gunn has basically said that's the official start of the DC universe beyond Superman Legacy. Yeah, um, I don't really trust what he says anymore. No, I, I mean, I think he's Why basically just saying that to make people more invested in that, which, you know, we're getting away from the uh, notes I had written out, but... Um, as, as far as why the movie actually bombed, I, I think a big part of it is because, you know, James Gunn made this announcement of the start of the DCU. Yeah, absolutely. Because of that, basically everything prior to the actual start of the DCU sort of seems irrelevant to the fan base, right? Like, um, no one cares. What's the point of seeing a movie that has no stakes to the greater scheme of this universe that they've been building for the last decade? Well, like, he, he saw, he made that fate when he decided to say, like, Nothing else is going to be part of the D, you know, the DCU. Okay, but he did he decide that or did you know who decide that to do it at that time? Warner Brothers? But in that case, if they want the Flash to lead into this new universe, then they shouldn't have marketed it as, you know, You're right. James Gunn's creating his own thing. You're right, but or, counterpoint to that, um they're dumb and they didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> no, no they didn't. Maybe they, I don't know what they were thinking, honestly. Just the release dates for all of it just doesn't make sense. Blue Beetle should be after Aquaman 2. Aquaman 2 should be coming up next. And then right. we can start with Superman Legacy, who, you know, they've already casted their Superman and Lois. Right. Did yeah. you notice how the timing of that announcement was like a week after the Flash movie started bombing? I did see that, yeah. James Gunn will just cancel Superman Legacy if no one goes to see Blue Beetle. <laughs> oh my fucking god, I swear if you At this point, this, well, that, this is like I said when we did the the last podcast, however many months ago that was. It's like I'll wait for a trailer, I'll see how it looks, see if I get interested, but as of now, like seeing more DC films, seeing another build up of another continuity after we've had cuz let's not forget the elephant in the room. Marvel has like been through the entire process and it's done like i think people are losing interest judging by numbers yeah. <laughs> judging by how we have no it's definitely happening it used to be that these movies were kind of a unique thing it's like wow you get this like an entry in this connected thing and it's in the theater and like that's where it starts and ends in the theater but now it's like all on disney plus you get it yeah. all around around the clock the entire year it's too much at this rate it's like, I don't, I'm not interested anymore. I, I don't know if you saw the interview that James Gunn did with Michael Rosenbaum. But I did. I mean, he basically made that exact same point that, uh, you know, the entire market is basically oversaturated with comic book media right now. Like, and because of that, you're seeing some of these creators becoming lazy with the way they're telling stories and sort of falling into the same traps. It's becoming less original. It's becoming less novel. Right. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why you're seeing these bombs. But And more rushed VFX stuff and why this CGI for pretty much anything in the past couple of months has been like everyone's going like, why does this look like shit? It's like. Because these guys are being given, like, a fucking week to get it done. And it's just, like, it's everything's just looked so rushed. And it's, I, I can't stand it. I can't remember. 
I think it was CJ, but somebody mentioned that all the good CGI artists that were unionized were, like, let go, and now they're just throwing anyone that wants the job at it. Yeah, no, I, I had made that point during the Lowers review. Thanks a lot, Warner Brothers, Sony, and Disney, you fucks. But <laughs> my, my problem is that everything used to be, like... Here's Captain America, the movie, like, at the end now, of it, it will connect. Great. No, 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 hold on. It will connect to the Avengers. The Avengers mm-hmm. kind of just ends and gives you, like, that little Thanos moment at the end. But it's not like the entire thing is just to build up to the next thing. And then they started doing that. Right. Yeah, you're seeing that with the whole multiverse saga right now. Like, Age of Ultron was just kind of, like, filler. So, or right. just everything started becoming, like, well, this wasn't satisfying. And then they started doing it with the Disney Plus series. Then... DC, if they had just let Snyder do what he was doing, yes, it had build-up. Yes, it was building to the next thing, but it was all kind of going to be its own thing. It was going to be one continuous story. Then, look at what happened with Wonder Woman 84. Ugh. They kind of went off the rails. Aquaman, even though it was a really good movie f- for the DCU, yeah. it was not really... It didn't really fit what had already been created. Yeah, see, I will say Aquaman, I think, was one of the stronger solo movies of the DCU. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously... Oh, that was fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely hinged in sort of what they were creating so far. Like, it, a lot of it is sort of contingent about, um, upon, like, you know, what existed in the DCU up until that point, And you feel that it's very connected. So, I mean, one of the inherent problems with having this grander universe is that you're always going to have these properties be connected in some way. And it, it doesn't feel like they can really stand on their own feet. I don't know. I feel like the Suicide Squad and that could have, and they were able to, and it's just they just didn't do it well. Wait, the Suicide Squad or the uh, original 2016 Suicide Squad? Both of them. Both of them and Birds of Pre- Let's not even forget, Birds of Prey was a real movie that they produced and made. I thought that was okay, but I, there were times where I was just like, wow, y'all uh, just went with it, didn't ya? And like, that movie bit adds nothing to the whole series. It adds nothing. nothing. It kind of just ends. And there's no continuation for any of those characters. And, I mean, we never got any continuation for anyone else. Like, DC's original plan. I mean, hey, Obi-Wan being in it was dope, so. <laughs> but, I mean, we had all this plan for the for the Snyderverse, and it kind of fell through. And then we had this plan yeah. for the Arrowverse, too. I mean, look what happened with so the Flash and how they were supposed to, you know, it was supposed to be this whole Justice League thing going on. And then oh, one yeah. by one, the Arrowverse shows us sort of dropping and dropping. Now we have Superman and Lois left, and it's not even part of the Arrowverse because they didn't want to be held back by what was already created. Well, right. as far as the CW Justice League plans kind of falling through, COVID happened like as crisis was coming out and i remember them listing that as a reason why they weren't going to do huge crossovers anymore because it would just be too many people around each other so they said yeah the next time we have a crossover it's just going to be like superman and batwoman which i think that didn't even happen because batwoman got canceled before they could do that baby i don't even know i think that's sort of what they were doing with the red death at the beginning no wait uh no it was supposed to be superman it was supposed to be batwoman canceled like at like season three yeah, but I then think. they went with Superman and Lois, which was not the same Superman that was in the Arrowverse. It's in its own continuity, as we know now. But we didn't get to that till the end of season two because they decided to string you along all that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, "Here's Diggle, here's Diggle." Yeah, that. And they're like, "Make him a Green Lantern." Not well, Fuckers. even I'm still mad about it. Even aside from that, I I was sure that it was like 14 years or so removed from like the current day or current time of the Arrowverse because 
aren't there kids just born in um Elseworlds, I think it is? Yeah, so it, the timeline doesn't match up if it's supposed to take place in the Arrowverse. So I, I need you guys to go back and do this, because we've, we've, we've mentioned this multiple times, actually, but at the end of Crisis, when they've rebuilt the whole universe and all that, and Superman's part of Earth-1, he gets a call from Lois, and Lois says, your sons are doing this, and he's like, our sons? He's like, yes, your sons. Mm-hmm. Like, they're older, because, like, it's a okay. baby. Older Oliver that they that they encounter in Crisis that saves uh, John. John's just a, bo- just a little baby, but at the end of Crisis... They're aged up because of the time. They did plan for it all to be one universe. Oh, all right. And then I guess that Batman, that Batwoman, Superman crossover didn't happen. So they're like, oh, no, this has always been its own universe. And it's not even reflected in the Flash. Or, like, they could have done that. They could have mentioned it in the in the Titans multiverse scene. They could have mentioned it in the Flash movie. They could have shown it in the Flash. And I know we're just talking about the Flash and we're talking about Superman a lot during this. But it seems like neither Flash really acknowledged that that Superman exists and they could have had a cameo. Something could have had a cameo showing that they were separate. And I, they're just waiting to write the show off so they can start their Superman legacy and start the whole new DC universe. Yeah, but here's the thing. It was weird because I remember in Crisis uh, or Infinite Earth, whatever the hell it was, like that long whole thing, they included Batwoman, Titans, and like all that was already pre-existing. So I'm just like, wait, what the hell's going on here? I'm so freaking confused right now. You and me both. So it's just like, no, it's just like, some of these exist, but we're going to wreck kind of the shit out of the rest. It's just like, eh, we have no idea what the absolute hell we're doing at all right now. Well, no, they still, they still exist at the end. Like, Oliver brings it back. Well, until they die. What do you mean? Because isn't at the end of it that they all, like, uh, all of, when Oliver sacrifices himself, they're all attending on one Earth because, like, that's I, I what they at the think. End, like, Flash well, goes no, Earth, Earth Prime is one separate thing that's supposed to be, like, the main continuity of the DC um, television yeah, universe or the Arrowverse, whatever you want to call it. Um, but all of these other universes they're showing still exist in one form or another. This was just yeah. supposed to be a general reset for the Arrowverse up until this point. So, uh, okay, okay. Who saw the Oliver episode of season nine of The Flash? Yeah, I saw it. I didn't see it. That's but, the wrong guy. Yeah. So Oliver acknowledges, like, no, the multiverse still exists, and the whole multiverse is at risk if Ramsey is able to corrupt Wally. So, uh, okay. Like, they waited four, three years to acknowledge that the multiverse still exists, but in Titans, Beast Boy actually gets to see um, yep. Grant Gustin running on the screen. But at the end of Crisis, it's acknowledged through little cutbacks that all these Earths exist again. Like, Earth 2 is no longer the Earth 2 we knew, but it's the Stargirl's Earth. And hmm. Swamp Thing still exists, and Titans exist, and all them are on their own In 2011 Earth. Green Lantern. Is Stargirl still on, or did they eventually cancel that That's too? ended. That, yeah, it. that ended, which it was canceled prematurely. The only continuation oh, of Stargirl is through Titans. So I do want to talk about why the Flash movie actually did bomb. And it, look, at the time that we're is this talking where about we're this, inserting us with criminal record because I'm pretty sure this is the perfect time. We'll, we'll get into it because I see there being three main reasons for uh, why it bombed the way it did. All right, so well, let's make that the fourth reason. Let's talk about the primary three. I'm so, I'm, I'm first, so ready first of for all, this. I'm sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> CJ's ready. He has notes for this. <laughs> so as of the time that we're recording this, the Flash movie has made 250 million approximately. Again, 
against a $220 million budget. Again, that's an approximate value. It was estimated to be between 200 and $220 million. So that's a 30 mil revenue. Well, that's not including marketing costs, too. That's just production costs. Okay. So marketing for film movies is typically twice what you Not including see. marketing costs, not including theater cut, not including distribution fees, not including your mother's fee. <laughs> So, despite it making more than it cost to actually produce the movie, um, it's still considered a loss because of the marketing costs, because of the merchandising costs. Big loss. Um, basically, mm-hmm. it's lost $200 million for Warner Brothers, according to um, initial projections. When they would probably it would expect for this, like they did with Dawn of Justice, yeah. they're like, oh, that's an easy billion, because we got Superman and Batman. Yeah, I mean... Uh, for this kind of movie, like a 500 or $600 million profit isn't, like, unexpected. So the fact that DC's profit sort of seen – or not profit. Um, no, yes, uh, profit. $500 well, million profit is, is what they want because they want it to make right. a billion. That's what they want. But what <laughs> I'm saying – I meant to say box office um, gross. But, okay. yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they obviously wanted it to make a $500 million profit. That's what they were projecting initially during um, – Yeah, you know, projecting. Before being released. How much crack were they smoking? As of the time of this recording, it's lost approximately $200 million. Really just, yeah. I'm not going to lie. At first, that's a shame, really. It is because, like, I remember everyone being, like, so hyped two years ago about this being a thing. So it's just like, yeah, I get it. But it's like, okay, y'all do realize this ain't on us. So (laughs) So a couple months ago, I think CJ is the one who either shared or John did, but there was an article where James Gunn was saying this was the best DC movie yeah. or the best superhero movie of all time. Like, he was really praising James this Gunn movie. was explicitly saying it was the best superhero movie ever made, which, it, it's good. It's just, yeah, I mean, that's obviously an insane amount of praise to put on a movie that... Uh, it was tracking to make, like, $187 million in the first week, in the first weekend. Like, they were like, oh, yeah, it's going to do so well, and then they're like... A week later, they're like, oh, no, maybe it's not going to track so well. Then, like, disappointing news, Flash fans. It's only tracking to make $71 million in the first weekend. And I think it made less than that. Yeah. yeah Wasn't no, it, it, it like, $4 do, million yeah. in the second weekend? It dropped off, like, 75% from week one to two. So I remember it being super low. So I was just like, what the fuck? Because even though I was like... It was, like, maybe two weeks or so after it just came out and... uh I had seen it at the closest theater to me. I'm pretty sure there were like maybe 10 people in the theater total. See, you know, at least when John, Mike, and I saw it in Stroudsburg, it wasn't like completely dead. But I mean, opening weekend, you would expect a bigger, like any superhero movie I've seen in the past two years has been jam-packed. This was like half capacity. Granted, it was at like a small local theater, but, uh, you know, it's, it's weird to see how quiet it was yeah and i also say even in the one in my area i go to a movie tower that i just actually used to work at like that that place is just like actually like a perfect location so it's just like people go there like just randomly but even like when it comes to like movies that just came out recently they still like at least like get like 20 some people in there somehow but it's like what this was like i'd never seen something so dead yeah, I mean, you especially being outside of a major city, I like would have expected a bigger crowd if you were yeah. going opening weekend. Well, take um take a similar comparison. When you and I went to see No Way Home in my town, which is a small town, yeah, that we were like way at the front, and this was like two weeks after coming out. Um, you and I were at like the very front row. We didn't like... see it in the first weekend. <laughs> 
You did see it in the no, first it, weekend. It, we definitely didn't see it right away. I remember like waiting a bit. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, because we did in the car the same night. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, it was a jam-packed theater. Um, we literally struggled to get seats. Right, and I'm in a in an area. I mean, it's the only theater. Whereas where we were in Stroudsburg, there is like a bigger one nearby. Right. But either like way, five minutes in the opposite direction. Yeah. For No Way Home, which is a I'd say a film with a comparable theme, packed, and but of course that's Marvel. Yeah. This is DC, where we already know. The general public already knows that all these movies don't matter, and then you have all the controversy with the main actor, but not even Keaton, not even Keaton could get people in the seats. Small note from my thing real quick from where I was, Multiverse of Madness, pretty sure I saw that around the uh, second uh, weekend or something as well, saw a little late, jam-packed theater, and I was in the exact same theater. So, mm. just saying there, when it, can, when it comes to the comparison to two movies, I get where, like, there's completely different touted hypes and storylines involved, but it's just like, okay, I remember seeing people on Twitter losing their minds about this one, going, like, what the hell is this and all that, because obviously they didn't watch WandaVision, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I get what y'all are saying here. So, it, it also, demographic, yeah, kind of counts, but it's also like, eh, I mean, it really does depend. I just want to make a quick note about my theater quick. Sure. Guardians 3 didn't really have a big audience, even though it was probably one of the best MCU movies of the year. Spider-Verse, on the other hand, was completely packed. It was impossible to find a seat. It was overwhelming, and we didn't go the first night. We went at a very inoperable time on a Friday. So, like, clearly theater turnouts are changing depending on what's available and, like, what the audience actually wants to pay for. So, CJ, that was one of your main points for why The Flash didn't make so much, or is that one of your... Well, no, that was just a sort of rant. I, 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 so my three main points, and I do want to go over this quickly, we can dive into each of these individually as we see fit. Um, three main points, first of all, Ezra Miller being just a scumbag, and mm-hmm. I know Jack has a yep. breakdown of that, so he'll talk about that, and exactly why Ezra Miller just completely destroyed his reputation in the past two years. Um, near constant transitions between creative talents, which I've got the full list here that we can go through from two years ago. We're going to have some freaking fun because I'm having a good time right now and this has been enjoyable. Yes, Jack has been drinking. (laughs) And finally, the uh, disillusionment of Snyder fans, um, the establishment of the DCU, I see is sort of being related to that. Uh, We did touch upon a lot of that so far, so I don't know how much we really want to talk about that. Can I add a fourth reason, CJ? Sure. I think it just didn't appeal to moviegoers. Hmm. In general days, I think that, like, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, the Mm -hmm. people that went to see No Way Home had at least seen one of those Spider-Men previously. Or those villains. They had had seen one of them or they were aware of them. Mm -hmm. You're trying to sell Michael Keaton from 30 years ago as Batman to an audience of anyone that's below... That never saw him as Batman. Probably, yeah. Either they did or they're older and they did see him. But then you're also trying to slap a new Supergirl in there along with a Flash that outside of Justice League didn't really have any buildup. So you're trying to make this movie centered on a character that just came off a TV show that's been, you know, not doing great for years. And the audience is just very select, very... It's not Superman. Superman is a different character. Batman is a different character. The Flash isn't going to drag in as many people, especially when there's been no buildup for all these years to that movie. 
Yeah. Yep. It, it just didn't. I think it just didn't appeal. It's too little, too late to connect it to any. Br- I mean, it's the end. It's the end of a continuity, as we've been laboriously saying. So there's not even a hype that this is building off of something. Because remember, when I went down the list of original dates, when Man of Steel came out, 2013, The Flash as a film had a 2016 release date. But then Dawn of Justice. I think, if I remember correctly, was supposed to come out 2015. It was pushed back a year. And that is the first thing that establishes Barry Allen, you know, when you see it on the little security camera footage. So obviously there could be a Flash movie then. And then, as I'm sure you'll talk about, all the creative differences pushed it further and further and further down the line until it comes out now. And everyone's like, who? What? Where? Yeah. So, I mean, Mike makes a really good point. Like, for general audiences who don't follow this deeply, who maybe didn't see the Snyder Cut, yeah, you don't know too much about this character, right? Like, it's been, what, how many years since uh, Justice League? Six years? Um, Well, the TV show is popular enough, so they know the character. They know of the character and the general story beats, like he fights a yellow guy that looks like him. Okay, the Flash... I feel like the character is pretty well known. The Flash is not the same character as, like... Martian Manhunter, where you only know him if you watch the cartoon show or something. You, If you go to Walmart, you have Superman shirts, Batman shirts, Flash shirts. Everyone knows what the Flash symbol is. Right. It's right. it's one of those recognized symbols. You know who the Flash is by looking at him. You can say, oh, yeah, that's the Flash. You don't say, oh, that's Quicksilver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, if I bring me anybody that does that to me, I might. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, I think that's something that Marvel does really well that DC really doesn't as much, right? Like, they've been building this brand for a decade where you know every single character, you know every single uh, iteration, you know every single thing they're up to, right? Um, you know, yeah. obviously it gets complicated in spots, but they, they've done a great job of actually building up these characters, making them multidimensional. DC really hasn't spent the time to do that. And part of the reason is because they've had all of these production delays and... Uh, you know, just general failures with trying to uh, establish the brand. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ezra Miller's Flash is not someone that I think uh, a lot of general audiences had a great impression of going into the movie. I didn't even like him to begin with. Which, which again, I, I feel like he does pull off the role pretty well. I've always liked his version of the character, but um, yeah, good point. So I do want to go over the production delays before we talk about Ezra Miller's whole descent from the public eyes and some... You know, that sort of is a little more recent than... The, Ever um, since his excursion to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. No, Iceland, buddy. Yeah, so let me just read this quickly, because I have, like, this whole detailed note yeah. oh, section. I'm ready for this. So, first of all, Ezra was cast as The Flash in... You know, they announced that he'd be playing The Flash in a solo film in October of 2014, which was... 2014? Jesus Christ! We were juniors? Well, we were juniors in high school at that point. Not college. <laughs> Not me and John, uh, buddy. That's yeah. what I meant. Sorry, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jack and I were juniors in high school when they made this announcement. Or actually, seniors. Yeah, I graduated in 2015. So 2015, yeah. Same, yeah. Oh wait, shit. Yeah, we senior were seniors. Year. Oh my god. <laughs> Y'all old. Um, we old. Right, so yep. they made <laughs> this <you>. announcement <laughs> literally a month after the Flash starring Grant Gustin aired. You know, on, on television. So at the time, I think a lot of people were thinking, why the fuck wouldn't they just include Grant Gustin in this role since they yeah. literally just cast this guy as the Flash? Um, so, you know, and Ezra Miller at that point was not a household name. No one knew who this guy was. He really wasn't in anything until this point. He had a few indie films under his bu- uh, belt, but no one knew the name. 
So that mm-hmm. that was already like sort of a questionable thing. It was rumored, but not confirmed, that Ezra would be appearing in BVS, which was released about two years after this casting announcement. Uh, confirmed he would, would be appearing in Justice League in 2017. Uh, casting garnered some mild controversy from DC fans, given that Grant Gustin had just begun playing the character. Yeah, that was definitely one of my complaints. Now here's the complete timeline. October 5th, 2015, so about a year after he was cast, Seth Graham Smith is hired to write and direct The Flash, which is aimed to release uh, March 3rd, 2018, approximately three years (laughs) after the initial casting choice. At the time, the film had a story developed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. You might know them as the guys behind the Lego movie and Clone High, talented writers, uh, comic sort of oriented things. So, I mean, if there was a comedic tone to The Flash at one point, um, that's sort of where it was coming from. And fun fact, the Lego movie in 2014 was the first time Wonder Woman appeared on screen in a movie. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, April 29th, 2016, Seth Graham Smith departs the film due to creative differences, a sign of things to come. Hmm. Summer 2016, Hmm. production begins on Justice League, which will see the debut of Ezra Miller as The Flash. June 2nd, 2016. Rick Famuyiwa, who has since directed episodes of The Mandalorian, uh, he also did True, Detec- True Detective, but I didn't write it in there, um, is hired to replace Graham Smith on the film. August 16th, 2016, news breaks after Justice League. Cyborg, Ray Fisher, will play a big role in the oh Flash solo film, which at that point was scheduled to come out March 16th, 2018. Oh, no! <laughs> October 31st, 2016. Happy Halloween. Another director has left the flash. <laughs> Famiua ha- departs the project over, you guessed it, creative differences. How drunk was I that October? January 25th, 2017. Writer Joby Harold is hired to write a new take on Flash. July 22nd, 2017. At San Diego Comic-Con, it's revealed the Flash will be an adaptation of Flashpoint. November 17th, 2017, Ezra Miller debuts as The Flash in Justice League. The film fails to meet expectations Uh, and has its own set of problems. January 16th, Uh 2018, more new directors. Game Night Helmers John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are hired, uh, are in talks at this point to make a Flash movie that would be a little bit lighter in tone than the Snyder DC films. You're already seeing this, like, sort of sense of course correction after Justice League. Of course, people were still blaming Snyder at that point, despite the fact that he basically shot nothing of what we saw in theaters. Whatever. March 4th, 2018. Daly and Goldstein publicly acknowledged their deal, making it official. Uh, so that's a couple months after, you know, they were initially projected to do it. Um, June 13th, 2018, as expected with their hiring, it's revealed that Daly and Goldstein are using a Back to the Future, or are using Back to the Future as their touchstone for their Flash film. <laughs> so they're basically using that as a jumping off point, which you do get, you get some sense of that in the final film, that that was like an inspiration, so I can definitely see that inspiration. I kind of did get a vibe from it, yeah, a little bit. It's That's the scene where, you know, Michael Keaton is talking about the noodles, and he says, well, in that movie, they explain it as like a branch off point. But in this movie, it doesn't work like that. It works as an entirely different noodle being created completely. October 15th, 2018. The Flash movie is delayed about a year because lead actor Miller has to make the new Fantastic Beasts films. Uh, February 24th, 2019. Ezra Miller still seems confident his Flash movie will happen and be worth the wait. At this point, he was still using he, him pronouns, so it's not offensive to say that. Ah, March 16th, 2019. 
Ezra Miller t- reveals that he and writer Grant Morrison are working on a new, darker take on The Flash, which clashes <laughs> with the direction the current film has taken. So, wait. <laughs> no, continue, continue. I'm going to okay. joke later. <laughs> July 2nd, 2019. The true beginning of the final version of The Flash. Andy Muschietti is hired to direct, or um, hired to direct, he's replacing Dalian Goldstein. Uh, and Birds of Prey's Christina Hodson is revealed as the new writer of the film. The screenplay, that is. That was obviously a mistake. <laughs> but this was before Birds of Prey came out, so no one knew how bad it was. Oh, Moving thank on. God. <laughs> December 11th, 2019. Another new release date for The Flash. Mm-hmm. This time, July 1st, 2022. <laughs> January 9th, 2020, Muschietti confirms his Flash movie is still adapting uh, Flashpoint, just in a different way, quote-unquote. Which, again, that sort of tracks with what we saw. Sort of Flashpoint, but very much This is incredible. This is like a Bible of information just on this one mistake. I'm actually impressed with myself for writing all this. (laughs) I feel like I'm living a lifetime right now, and just, oh my god... (laughs) January 16th, 2020, Ezra Miller's version of The Flash shows up and meets Grant Gustin's Flash on TV. A huge yep. moment in seeding a multiverse among DC's myriad film and television product. Uh, I remember actively geeking to that because I actually genuinely thought that was cool. And I was like, no, that oh, was wow, really we're cool going to get his movie soon. <laughs> Yo, I thought it was cool. Shut up. <laughs> well, no, it was cool. It was unplanned. They didn't tell anyone it was happening. Ezra just, they just. No, yeah. that, that was actually really cool. It wasn't spoiled on Twitter that week. To that point, though, James Gunn has said that moving forward, he does want all of the series to be connected, film and TV. So that means it's going to be more like what the MCU has become, where initially they had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which itself was supposed to be connected to the movies, but the movies were never connected to it. But now with all the Disney Plus series, those are all connected to the movies. So I think that's probably the direction that Gunn wants to take it in. But we'll see if he gets that chance even. To his credit, James Gunn is trying to make this a little more interconnected than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where, um, you know, the MCU's never included gaming or um, any reference to the comics beyond just the actual source material. So um, good on James Gunn for actually trying to expand on what uh, was done previously and try to go above and beyond. But we're still like we haven't even touched the DCU yet. So who knows if that's actually going to come to be. Where was I? Um, April 20th, 2020. Uh, the release date for The Flash has moved up a bit, this time from July to June 3rd, 2022. Hooray! Ah. Didn't happen. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> Yeah, spoiler. Seriously. We graduated college before this movie was a thing. Jesus Christ. June 22nd, 2020. Michael Keaton is revealed to be returning to the role of Batman in the film, which gives fans the idea of the huge scope this movie will have. Didn't have a huge scope. Moving on. <laughs> August 20th, 2020. Holy multiple Batman, Batman. Ben Affleck will also reprise his role as Bruce Wayne slash Batman in the film. <laughs> April 22nd, 2020. At an event called DC Fandom, the team behind The Flash reveals that its unique adaptation of Flashpoint will kick off a new version of the DC Cinematic Multiverse. Mm. October 3rd, 2020. Casting continues as Billy Crudup is expected to reprise his role as... Um, in just uh, from Justice League as Barry Allen's dead in the Flash. He doesn't, but I don't know if I actually said that. Oh, yeah, I did say that later on. Just one Wouldn't thing. Cool thing include that. Yeah, that scene in Justice League. Now Snyder shot this scene, but then it was like reshot to add a stupid joke by you know with Ezra Miller on screen. But the original Snyder scene where Barry has a moment with his father in prison. 
So I just watched the uh, first two episodes of Flash just to prepare for this. I was going to watch the whole first season, but I, I really couldn't bring myself. But I understand that. In the first episode, he has a moment with um, John Wesley's ship. And I could see the exact cues that Snyder took from that scene in the first episode of the TV show. They're like, they do the thing with the hand on the window. They have a very similar conversation where, you know, I need you to let go. I need to know that you're going to be okay, that you're going to have a good life and not worry about me in here. So That's why it felt familiar. Good on Snyder and good on the showrunners for making a decent first episode. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so Billy Crudup, uh, January 6th, 2021. Weird date. Moving on. Uh, Ray Fisher, who reportedly had a role as Cyborg in The Flash since 2016, is removed from the film. The culmination of a long public <laughs> dispute why. between Fisher and Warner Brothers over conditions on the set of Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. Racism. I mean, yeah. I, I, again, like, not to interject too much, but this speaks to, yeah, WB basically just being a terrible company that doesn't understand how to run a universe. It wasn't just, and um... Just, WB, get get your shit together. You guys literally set yourselves on fire. Yeah, was that was that insurance fraud, guys? Come on, just say I, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I, I think it's long enough removed at this point that we don't feel like assholes for saying that. Let's digress so they don't sue us. The so, uh, exact <laughs> reason for um, Ray Fisher, his issue was mainly with... Uh, it was the president of the company at the time, Hamada, Walter Hamada. He said yeah. that he claimed that Hamada was trying to, like, like not do the investigation properly, that he wasn't working with him to resolve the situation. He was saying that they were only hiding, hiring internal, like, uh, lawyers or whoever or investigators to go through the problem. Basically, Ray Fisher had a list of demands. He wanted it all to be, like, third parties looking through the situation, but... Hamada wanted to keep it all internal, and so that's where the whole disagreement was about. Yeah, that sounds weird to me, but all right. Okay, so 20, uh, February six, February 19th, excuse me, 2021, as if things could get any bigger, it's announced that actress Sasha Kale will be playing Supergirl in The Flash <gasps> and in future DC projects. Oh, really? In I future don't projects? I think that's happening. What but... projects? <laughs> At the time, they were saying future DC projects. Should be, and I thought she did awesome, and frankly, I thought they disrespected Supergirl in that entire film. But I'll digress. March 12th, 2021. Kiersey Clemens is confirmed to reprise her Justice League role as Iris West. Uh, again, she only appear appears in the Snyder Cut, not in um, Justice League. So when I say confirmed reprise, it's, you know, maybe a little bit of evidence that Snyder Cut is uh, playing in here a little more. Wait, she was in Snyder Cut Justice League? Briefly, like, Barry saves her life, yeah. Oh, that was her? Yep, that was her. Same actress, yeah. Okay, I didn't realize. March 18th, 2021, Zack Snyder's Justice League is released, which significantly adds to Barry Allen's story, including the roles played by Crowdup and Clemens. A hot dog is involved. <laughs> yes, that's the whole, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> March 25th, 2021, Billy Crudup has to leave the project, so a new actor is cast for Barry's dad, Ron Livingston, who, you know, we've seen the final film, um, does fine. I think Billy Crudup's a little bit better, but uh, whatever, it is what it is. April 19th, 2021, the day has finally come. Director Andy Muschietti announced the production has officially begun on a Flash movie that's called, wait for it, The Flash. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> So I have this whole section, too, about how the Flash TV series ties in, which I think we covered at this point. Um, but, so those notes you have, which very extensive, that's not even the end of it, because then since the time there was more. 
I wrote these notes in 2021, so this is just going up until that point. So it, it was delayed a couple times after that. Obviously, it got pushed back to 2023, yeah. um, which I didn't say here. There isn't much more that happens after that. But literally, I wrote this entire, like, multiple-page PDF document before any of the shit about Ezra Miller came out. That's so right. You have four pages! That's true. Four pages. None of it mentions that Ezra Miller is basically one of the worst human beings operating in Hollywood. Uh, so, Jack, I know you have detailed notes about the entire arrest report and charges and everything, so please enlighten us. Yeah, and this was just uh, from a random uh, Twitter uh, thing in general. I cannot confirm or deny, but this is what was uh, presently listed as to from pretty much the entire like whole shebang. Okay, with I have a feeling there's going to need to be an asterisk saying unconfirmed for most of these because I've not read the, any police reports. I can't confirm or deny any of these because we don't know what's actually like the legitimate in the situations. But this is everything that's come out about Mr. Miller ever since being cast as the Flash. So for our lawyers, <laughs> at this point, all of these crimes that uh, Ezra has apparently alleged, been... Alleged, assumed, not confirmed. It's all alleged. He hasn't been convicted of anything. For all intents and purposes, these are just things he possibly did. But again, the yes. public pretty much thinks he did all of this, which is part of the reason why the Flash movie failed. Jack, please continue. So, uh, the first one was when uh, he allegedly assaulted a woman and then threw a chair at them. And that was in Hawaii uh, last summer, right? Yes. Uh, he's been accused of grooming children, which it's like, okay, we uh, already heard about the uh, separate incident in which he uh, went on a high-speed chase with a minor, mm -hmm. uh, which was horrifying. Uh, he also allegedly has a weed farm that's holding a mother and that mother's children hostage. <laughs> the kids also had access to firearms and a baby that apparently put a bullet, like, not, uh, like, shot, like, the actual, like, bullet itself in their mouth. Uh, he's apparently a cult leader in Iceland. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's uh, the only way I can top that up. Yeah, he's a cult leader in Iceland. What the actual living fuck? I'd say some of the shit sounds made up, but like, I've legitimately read all of these in the news in the last year or so. So Yeah, so I'm just like, yeah. uh, um, shouldn't the first one with, you know, just assaulting people? Because I'm pretty sure, I think, I remember the first one being out there was just like assault and battery in Hawaii just for being a drunken dickhead or something like that. And I was just like, okay, yeah, you should face the consequences for that those actions because you just, you know, as a normal functioning person of society shouldn't do that. Meanwhile, Jonathan Majors gets an allegation and his career is already fucked. But all right. <laughs> Look, you could call it a double standard, but I mean, you know, it's it's different circumstances, like no matter how you're looking at it. It's a double standard no matter what, but it's still like, all right, if you're if you actually did the shit, uh, face the consequences, own up to it, be a goddamn adult uh, and get the hell out if you are still out of your mind, clearly. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is worth mentioning that at the time of this recording, uh, he has been recast. They've made no announcements that they're going to recast the oh, really? role of The Flash. Um, same deal with Jonathan uh, Majors as Kang, by the way. Like, he's still very much playing that role, despite the allegations against him. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's been a year since a lot of this stuff came out. Like, it was like summer of 2022 when it, they it's were... It's been well over a year for all of those things, yes, no matter what. But so, like, 
do these stick? I have no idea. Is yeah. it true? We also have no idea. But it's just like there was just with how many were coming out in such a short, short time frame before the movie even came out. We we're like, right. okay, hold up. What in the world is actually happening right now? Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't think you can rule out the fact that all these incidents had some impact on how the public views Ezra Miller. There was also a video of uh, when one of the uh, – accusations came out someone took a video of it like it was just on what that local news channel and the person uh panned over their uh cell phone or whatever that they were using and as was just right the fuck there yeah no i mean there's video evidence of him actually assaulting these people and uh doing that like again for he hasn't been convicted of anything but the evidence is pretty clear that he was like responsible for this shit there's a clearly mentally unstable individual amongst us and uh we hope they get the help they clearly yeah. need the the thing is uh warner brothers launched in this whole pr campaign prior to the flash coming out to basically rehabilitate Ezra's mil- um ezra's image and make him seem like a little less objectionable part of that involved him going through uh, rehab and mental health counseling and everything um i don't think it's stuck. he still seems pretty uh, unstable all alleged he... of course I'm, I'm not trying to get canceled again well again he did go for mental health treatment they, that's been publicly disclosed it's not well that's um, good at least yeah yeah i mean they've been intentionally keeping ezra out of the public eye like even leading up to this film um there was absolutely no interviews with him prior to going up to it. Um, he was completely out of the public eye. Uh, he didn't do any interviews, et cetera, but et cetera. Here's what I want They were know. trying to keep him out of public Did Keaton yeah. do any interviews? Because I didn't see him anywhere. All I saw was Sasha Kaya. I didn't either. Yeah, that's basically what I saw. So did, did Keaton just refuse? And I wouldn't blame him because they completely cut out Batgirl, which he had a significant role in. And they probably cut out his cameos and... Um, or his smaller role in Aquaman. So I just think he's fed up and you cannot blame the guy. Again, I think that's another reason why the thing sort of flashed. Like there wasn't too much marketing going into it. Keaton feels like one of those no nonsense guys. And since I feel like there's a strong sense of nonsense, considering our show name (laughs) uh, around that individual overall, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be around that either. Like, I, I wouldn't even want to at, be asked questions about it because I'd be like, look, I don't know. I'm not in this. Yeah. So the point I wanted to make with the whole, you know, history of Ezra's um, potential alleged crimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he. We're being careful, people. Give us a minute. <laughs> you can't deny that the public consciousness was affected by that. But does the yeah. average person remember that? Does the average person know that? I think that's a little bit harder to actually dissect. No. I think they do. At least if you're on Twitter for w- all of one minute. Well, first of all, the average person isn't on Twitter. It's a relatively small user base. The three of us are perpetually online, so we're not exactly a representative sample size. Well, well, there's a lot less people on it now because Elon and that's a different one. But well, okay, take people like us. Beyond that, take the target audience for movies like this. Beyond that, the public consciousness does not tend to remember shit from a year ago. Like, as a general rule, like, six months, I think, is, like, the sort of cutoff point. We that barely remember shit after six weeks, let alone six months. Th- that's the thing. No, but, that's but the but thing wait I'm trying to say. Like, I think the public does have a generally pretty short attention span, so I'm not sure if that would have contributed to that. But let's think about human nature for a second. What do humans love? We inherently love drama. We we live for it. We, we breed it. Yeah. We revel in it. 
I think if it's something drama related, and you more specifically something negative. Remember the most horrible dramatic people of history more than anybody else, really, then yeah. Specifically, if it's something negative, it will be remembered. And if you think about the target audience for these kinds of movies, you know, let's call it nerd culture just for the sake of argument. Mm. Those people tend to be more online. So I would say a larger well, part of the audience for movies like The Flash would be on Twitter more often. And if that's constantly getting brought up, then people aren't really going to forget about it. And it's going to continue to be a hindrance for the general image of the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many small factors that I think did factor into people not seeing this movie. And, you know, you can't deny that Ezra's public persona was part of it. I, I, I'm just wondering if the average moviegoer would have been affected by that. I had to shut off so much of my brain from what, like, I had read previously in order to watch this movie to give it a legitimate chance. Because I was just like, every single time he was on the screen, I was just like, oh, my God, I just saw him punch him in the goddamn face. Because it was like what I wanted to see more than anything. But I was just like, no, it, it was so hard for me to try to emulate with his character overall as a human being that clearly had went through more than a lifetime's worth of freaking trauma. But it was like, yeah, you know what I mean? You're saying despite the character, because I actually liked Barry Allen as a character in the film. But you're saying right. even like... Well, he's talking more about Ezra. Yeah, yeah I'm, no, I'm saying I'm talking everything. More towards Ezra. Like him as Barry, I was like, yeah, I was able to get like actually younger Barry more than uh, the present Barry that we were given. Still weird ass aspect to the movie, but it's just like, yeah, I guess. You're saying even though you watched it. I was able to find some type of resonance in emotion with both of them at points, but it was hard for me to because I was like looking at a person I can't respect at all. Yeah, exactly. So even though you went to see it, all of that shit, all of that drama is still in the back of your mind and it's like hindering your ability to invest yourself in it, to immerse yourself in the narrative. And that's an issue and that needs to be considered. That could be a reason why, again, we're seeing the numbers that we are. It's like also me being a wrestling fan and there being wrestlers that I can't support or respect it at all mm. either because of, again, how they are as actual people like, you know, being just shitheads. So the thing... um, you know, the first point I made as to why this probably did bomb was um, because of this whole transition and rebranding that DC's going through between changing the DCEU over to James Gunn's DCU. Um, I, you know, I think the only way we're going to really confirm that is to see how Blue Beetle does when it comes out, since that's supposed to be the official start of the DC universe, according to James Gunn. It should be something, like, don't get me wrong, but, like, it's just like, hmm, I don't know, it, it, like, with what they did with this last one, I'm just like, fuck. I mean, they give half an effort in these upcoming movies, then I'll consider it an improvement. So the question I had was, um, is this box office bomb because of The Flash specifically or because of the greater DC brand just falling apart? And I don't think They're that's something both? we can answer explicitly after just seeing this movie. I think we have to see other DC projects come out and see how general audiences react to that. Well, take Shazam 2. That really yeah. didn't make much. Uh, I didn't even see it. It made $133.8 That's not Was good. Was that box office gross or the actual That's profit? Bad. That's really That's bad. That's the worldwide box office gross as of like a, a week ago whenever I wrote up that note. Oh, so it grossed less than The Flash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, so there's not even a momentum for it to go off of. Like, so, like with, with Marvel, just for some back to that again. There are times when Marvel will have a momentum where they're building up to like a big crossover event that 
people are looking forward to and the movies surrounding it will also do well. It's either like leading into or coming off of the hype of that. Then you have sometimes the like one-off movies or solo character sequels that people don't really give a shit about. Like there was the Eternals, didn't make that much. Shang-Chi didn't do awful, but it also didn't make that much. Now, more, most recently, you have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, that's a mouthful. And I don't think that made a whole lot either, but they're still doing better. <laughs> than DC movies are doing. So DC has, it just killed its momentum in multiple ways. You're not continuing the Snyderverse. You're making a whole new universe and saying these films don't matter, but they're still coming out. They've been delayed. Remember the year of DC guys? Well, that got chopped in half and now everything is getting dumped this year for some reason. And then now you have James Gunn retroactively saying, no, this counts, this matters, but also um, we're doing all this new stuff. So, uh, yeah. And your TV shows are being canceled left and right and ending. So, mm-hmm. like, all around, the brand has been suffering. And yeah. for multiple, like, th- that's definitely a factor in it, aside from all the other ones we've been bringing up. Yeah, so I mean, complete struggle to even keep up at this rate with all of it anyway. It's just like, oh, my God. Like, it, like I wouldn't even mind a year or two break at this point. Well, you had COVID. That's your only break. Well, well, we tried, guys. We tried. And you know what came at the end of COVID? Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, have fun. No, that was still like very much during COVID. That was like released when HBO Max was still doing their monthly movies. I remember that happening during COVID. Like what? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously one of the weakest movies in the DC Extended Universe. But even at that point, it was just like not even getting a full theatrical release. Pedro Pascal the Great. I tried to like it very much, but it was just... It's, Life is good, like, but it okay, could be better. No one knows who Wonder Woman is. How was she able to convince the planet to give up the things they desired the most? I don't get it's, it. Yeah, it, magic it was just Jack. not a good movie, but it's that's beyond the point. I mean, oh! that's obviously where Patty Jenkins was fired. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so, I, I mean, again, with all of this, I'm trying to look at it from a general audience perspective. Like, obviously, we're fans. We're following this pretty closely relative to the general population, but... um. You know, in a vacuum, if you look at any one of these individual movies, um, the shared universe is basically irrelevant, right? Like, you're looking at each of these in a vacuum, and ultimately, the marketing just didn't sell the movie, right? Like, Yeah, like, uh, even the advertisements, I was just like, throughout the whole thing, I I thought it was pretty weak. Overall, I was just like... The thing is, and maybe this is a controversial take just based on what we're seeing online, the CGI, in my opinion, isn't as bad as, you know, critics would lead you to believe it is. Not as bad, but it is bad. Well, look, I mean, the only part that really looks wonky is the whole back-in-time thing, which I do think was a design. back-in-time thing and uh, everything involving all the dead Superman, Superwomen, that whole thing, that entire, See, even like... that looks, like, realistic enough to me that it doesn't distract. I'm sorry, no, but... That for me, like I said, I was I'm not I'm not even kidding you when I say I was very nauseous throughout that entire ordeal. I was like, what the fuck am I looking at? The worst to me was where he's rescuing the babies because those babies look <laughs> fake as shit. I was understandably able to handle the fact that I saw Ezra Miller throw a baby into a fucking microwave. That was fine. Also, <laughs> not a good look when he said he made a comment about Justice League not offering good mental health plans. Ooh. Oh, my yeah, I know. That Jesus was just Christ. Hilariously ironic. I have a suspicion that the reason those babies looked so fake is if they looked realistic that might affect the rating of the film because if you're showing realistic looking infants in mortal danger, I don't know if the MPAA would like that. 
that's just me conjecturing. That might just be nothing. Yeah. Um, what, what I was going to say was, um, despite the CGI not looking that bad overall to me, um, could have been the worse. Third act, no doubt. The third act just looked bad from a cinematography standpoint, right? Yeah. Like, I really don't like the look of this battlefield. They should not have focused so much of the energy into making this final battle look that way. They could have cleaned that up a lot. It was just like, oh, yeah, you know the guy that decked you earlier? It's actually your younger self the entire time. I was like, well, look, God, even from a story really? perspective, it's sort of obvious in retrospect. I think it worked well, given the whole, um, uh, you know, events leading up to that. But, yeah, I mean, just visually, the end, uh, like, that whole battle scene thing gave me, like, Justice League vibes, where, you know, they're in the third act in uh, Eastern Europe or something. I thought I was going to see so much badass shit from Supergirl, then, like, Justice League, I was ultimately disappointed the entire time. The first two acts of the movie work really well for me. Looks good, it's a good story, but yeah, just when they're getting to the final battle with Zod, I, I don't know if it's just the way it was carried out or if it could have been a little more epic looking, but something about it just fell off for me. And they focused so much on that in the actual trailers for this yeah, thing that I think it really did detract for general yeah, audiences. Yeah, had me thinking like Supergirl's gonna be like saving the day and like making sure like all the fools are taking yeah. taken care of like in the trailer. But it's just like, nope, we're gonna make her look worthless. The thing is, like, what? You know, it's a Flash movie, but they were hinging very heavily in marketing on both Batman and Supergirl being major forces in this. And they're yeah. both very minor in the grand scheme of things. Not even minor. They were just like, how fast can we kill these guys? So with Supergirl not doing, I, I guess, a whole lot, I can understand it from a story perspective because she's still like, you know, young, a teenager, maybe very young adult. And she doesn't, she's not a soldier. She doesn't have the combat experience that Zod does, so it goes without saying she's not going to be able to beat him ultimately. Now, as for the way it looks, then I think the trailer does exemplify this and why you look at it and you're not excited. There is like a an aesthetic clash because we have like a Call of Duty battlefield, all this gray and brown dust being kicked up and guys in military uniforms. Now you have that being juxtaposed with these goofy looking characters in bright colors and they're sliding into the frame in a CG shot that's probably a bit unpolished to say the least. And that's one slide shot where all three of them in frame. That's supposed to be the big beauty shot that they use to mm -hmm. sell the movie because every trailer has a beauty shot like that. We've seen it so many AKA times. Money shot. Where th there's like trailer scene. I think Deadpool even makes fun of this trailer scene. Yeah. And then it's a big beauty shot. But that wasn't winning over anyone. Ah, like... It, the whole it's a big mess it's a big mess and like right. what can it's, you say there was so much opportunity to make the third act of that movie just like absolutely upstanding very hard like wrenching like they could have made that so much more but then well, the, the second scene with Keaton. Saw was just like bam and i was just like oh that's it great when we did watch it i liked the scene like there was good action i liked the way flash uses his powers like it creates the lightning tornado they start actually that like, i thought it was cool at least it looked to me they were like killing these kryptonian soldiers with speed and that makes sense because speed is like the most powerful power and we'll get more of that when we talk about the tv show sometime in the next year <laughs> so we're gonna be talking about it shit but like so some of it i liked and you had an emotional scene with keaton dying uh twice uh so it had the beats but from an external view, it, like trailer-wise and everything that's being said about it, it's like no wonder why people aren't excited because at a glance, 
doesn't look that great, I, even though I thought in context it was okay. And it doesn't have a good word of mouth. They're like, oh my God, it looks bad. Oh my God, this guy, he's just an awful person. Oh my God, why does this even matter when there's just going to be a new set of movies? It's like all these things. It's like a perfect... Yeah. This is what Warner Brothers wants. They want the perfect storm of creating the biggest audience with all their properties. Instead, they've done the opposite. They've done the perfect storm of repelling any audience they could have. You yeah, I mean, brought back the one Batman everyone could agree on. It was like, this is a great Batman. You could have had Henry Cavill in there, but you said no. You had all the pieces aligning, and you just let the House of Cards fall. I mean, that's the big inherent problem with all of this is, you know, mismanagement. Um, basically, every single step along the way, every potential failure they could have uh, made, every single bad decision they could have made happened here. They fumbled the bag. And look, it doesn't matter if the movie's good or not. I genuinely enjoyed watching this. I genuinely enjoyed going out to Strasbourg with you guys and, you know, seeing this in theaters opening weekend. Like, I would not give up that experience. I gotta do one of these with you guys. Dude, come up sometime. We haven't seen each other in person since college. We need an excuse to meet up. Yeah, I know. It's been a bit. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so it, it doesn't matter ultimately if the movie was good or not. It's just... The fact that you have all of these surrounding factors discouraging people from seeing the movie, that's why it bombed. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I agree. This episode has been in the pipeline for some time now, and we're glad to have finally gotten to do it. So if you have stuck around this long, thank you, and stay tuned because we're not done yet. Part 2 is up next, where we'll be airing our final, final last grievances with the Flash TV show. It's going to be a good time and hopefully cathartic for anyone else who's suffered through this series as we have. So remember to follow us everywhere. All our links are on utterlynonsense.com. And once again, as always, thanks for listening.